Hi, I'm Brady Breeze, safety for the Detroit Lions, and you're listening to The Only Playbook. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Only Playbook. I'm Sweetheart, I got your short show bit. How's it going, guys? Doing pretty good. Excited. It's a Monday, 10 more days until the draft. Itching a little bit. Yeah, those- yeah same. Same. Quarterback, quarterback rumors keep getting bigger and bigger and closer and closer, man. Is, 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 are the Steelers going to get Malik Willis or not? I mean, I'm sure that's probably the biggest guy that you're thinking about on your draft board, right? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a quarterback. I just don't know if it's Malik Willis, Dresden Ritter. Let's see where all of them go. Uh, well, Malik Willis goes first, and then that's probably going to just do like a, you know, change of Domino effect, change the landscape of things, yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you watched or listened to our last episode, we did talk about our top five draft picks in terms of the quarterback position for this upcoming draft. So go check it out. Uh, We're everywhere, social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Uh, If you're listening, you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple, Google, Anchor. If you're watching, you're watching on YouTube. So appreciate the support. Uh, This week, again, episode 53, we are going to tackle the top 10 receivers in the draft. It's a pretty deep receiver class. So as opposed to five, we're going to do top 10. We'll highlight some guys that we want to talk about and then just take it from there. So Without further ado, I'll start us off with my top 10. My top 10 receivers here, I'm going to go 10 through one. We'll jump through them real quick. Number 10, I have Alec Pierce, receiver from Cincinnati. Number nine, John Mechie from Alabama. Number eight, Sky Moore, Western Michigan. Number seven, Jahan Dodson out of Penn State. Number six, Christian Watson, North Dakota State. Number five, Chris Olave, Ohio State. Traylon Burks is number four for me out of Arkansas, Jamison Williamson. Bama, number three, Drake London, USC is number two. And my number one receiver on the board is Garrett Wilson, Ohio State. Nice. Shout out to Jameson Williamson over there. <laughs> no crow, shortstop. He had a cannon for an arm. Holy shit. He's nice. also an ass, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, maybe he's gotten nicer now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. T- time changes people and ages age changes people too. Uh, so that solid top 10. I think we've got a very similar top 10 besides one guy. Uh, number 10 on my list is Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Number nine is John Mechie III from Alabama. Uh, number eight is Sky Moore from Western Michigan. Number seven, got George Pickens from Georgia, Georgia. Uh, number six, I've got Jahan Dodson from Penn State. And number five, I've got Drake London uh, from USC. Number four, I've got Chris Olav or Olave Olave from OSU. Number three, I've got Traylon Burks. Uh, Number two, Jamison Williams from Alabama. And number one, another OSU player, Garrett Wilson um, from OSU, from the Ohio State University. (laughs) Nice. Um, So mine's going to be a little weird. I'm going to do 11 players because I'm going to do a 1A and a 1B because I couldn't decide. so I'm going to start with David Bell at number 10. We're going to do Jalen Tolbert, number nine. Then we're going to do Christian Watson at eight. Sky Moore at seven. Then we're going to do Dotson uh, at six. And then we're going to do Olav at five. We're going to do Pickens at four. We're going to do Burks at three. And then Jameson Williams gets two for me. And then one B and one A, which I couldn't decide between Garrett Wilson and Drake London. Um, we'll talk about the reasons when we talk about them. Yeah, solid list. I think 
again, overwhelmingly, I, there's a lot of receivers in this draft that I found that can be contributors in the NFL. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the guys that get drafted early because, you know, you, you need receivers and then the guys that you get in the value rounds, second round and beyond. But um, I'll kick us off. I want to talk about one guy that neither of you guys had mentioned real quick, and then we'll just kind of take it from there. Number 10 on my list was Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce is flying under the radar. This guy played receiver at Cincinnati with Desmond Ritter. Show your number one quarterback in this draft. Um, Cincinnati was a run heavy offense. They were, you know, pro style offense for Desmond Ritter, but there was a ton of read options. So it wasn't like you had one go-to receiver and you force fed him the ball. Alec Pierce is 6'3", 213 pounds. Um, he isn't your prototypical, you know, receiver. He's white. So for lack of better words, so he's an outside white receiver, which again, you don't see very many of those, right? Like outside of Jordy Nelson, like, can you name very many? Probably not. A lot of those guys play in the slot. So the thing about Alec Pierce is this guy's measurables are absolutely insane. Four four one forty at six, three, and he had the highest vertical out of any of these top 10 guys at 40 and a half inches, right? So this guy's fast and this guy can jump. Not to mention he ran his three cone drill at 7.13 seconds, which is the second fastest behind Jalen Tol Tolbert out of everybody that ran it, right? So this guy, the only reason he's getting slighted in draft boards is because of his lack of production in college, which again, it's, it's, it's a fault because in an offense where they did not throw the ball a lot and he wasn't the focal point of the offense, obviously his production is not going to be there, but you cannot ignore these, these measurables that the speed mixed with the size mixed with the jumping up capability. And you see the three cone drill, a lot of bigger lengthy guys that have like good straight line speed don't have quick agility. That's why they're route running and their crisp crispness of their route running is, is slower. So you see like straight line speed, but guys that can't get in that or breaks, this guy can literally do it all. Right. So again, I think he's flying under the radar because, of his lack of production in college i really really like him i think wherever he goes if he fits into an offense like this guy had better measurables outside of his three cone drill than cooper cup right and i know, I know that's an anomaly but uh you look at significance or you look at similarities in size and stature but this guy literally my comparison for him was javon walker javon walker was a amazing deep threat he was an amazing jump up and get the ball receiver uh he was physical so again i think this guy has a lot of these skill sets that a lot of these top five guys have but again because of his production he's not being mentioned enough so this guy could be a third fourth round steal in the draft cool um so it looks like some of the weaknesses that uh, some of these websites have for him is that uh, he's limited in his route running skills so is he more of just like a deep threat or do you think he's going to be able to like you know adjust and do some uh, routes, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage or from his uh, college stats, does it just look like he's going to be, you know, limited in, in what he's going to be do, doing for a team because he's just a deep threat? No, I think that's a good question. And I think that, like you mentioned, that is one thing that hinders him. And it's because the way they played was he was their kind of go X receiver, right? And so a lot of what he got was like back shoulder fades, deep routes. And it was like over the middle stuff where it was like, you know, read option, you see the linebackers come up and then he's catching like 15, 20 yards over the middle. But I think because of his three cone drill, you can see that he can get in and out of breaks just as well as a lot of these top five guys who are a lot smaller. So his six, three stature and his four, four, one forty is not hindering his quickness in the inside routes i just think when he gets that opportunity and capability he's still going to thrive i don't know that he's going to be like the number one receiver like he's not i don't know if his high-end ceiling is going to be jordy nelson from an outside perspective i know javon walker's the comparison but that's like probably the best he could possibly be but i still see this guy being a bigger physical receiver that can also play in the slot because of his quickness and shiftiness 
Yeah, so number 10 on my list, I've got uh, Christian Watson, North Dakota State, uh, 6'5", ran a 4'3", 6". Um, this guy is one of those guys that's not getting a lot of um, maybe high buzz because he played for North Dakota State, um, but he, he's fast. He can move the ball really well. He's 6'5", vertical player, and he's, you know, it's a good red zone tar- target at, you know, being as tall as he is. So I really, I really like him. Um, he had his, some of his weaknesses are uh, outside of the lack of competition is that he had 16 career drops, but only two in uh, last year in 2021. So um, I like this guy. This guy could be a good, um, you know, his ceiling is wide receiver one with that build and that frame. Um, so I like this guy top 10 from where he's being projected, but he could be a steal in the late second rounds. Yeah. Um, something that, um, that I tend to look at when I look at receivers outside of the flashiness, outside of the strength and the speed uh, is consistency, right? And, um, you know, I'm not ranking this guy way high up on my list or anything, but I think David Bell from Purdue deserves a look um, as far as a safety net for a lot of these uh, quarterbacks. Uh, You know, he's not the fastest. He ran very slow 40 yard dash, four, six, five, a vertical jump just as 33, uh, you know, cone, three cone drill was a 7.14. He's not the fastest guy at all, but he was super, super reliable in Purdue. Uh, his stat line was like a average stat line was like a eight, um, eight receptions a game, hundred, hundred yards or more a game and 0.7 touchdowns a game. So, you know, as far as reliability goes, that's something that young um, QBs in the league are lacking. And we see that everywhere, you know, look at Jalen Hurts, look at all these other uh, quarterbacks, these younger guys that need a reliable guy, not the fastest. Cause you know, we can see that a lot of these teams have speed. Look at Zay Jones, look at Rieger, you know, speed doesn't mean everything. And I think, I think the newer, the younger NFL fans are starting to realize this, that it's not just speed. It's not just flashiness. You need consistency. Look at people like Emmanuel Sanders. He's not the fastest guy on the field, but he's gets the job done. Right. So I think David Bell is kind of one of those players who's going significantly under the radar because he doesn't, he doesn't have the flashiness, but he has, he has the stats to back up his consistency. Eight receptions, over 100 yards a game, and close to a touchdown a game is, you know, it's pretty impressive for three years uh, in college. Yeah, he's he's not even on my top 10, but he was one guy that was, you know, right outside the top 10 for me. So uh, I think production matters. You're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of times people draft based on upside, right? So even if you don't see production in college, you're like, okay, well, he's still got the speed. He's still got the size and, and, and the intangibles are there. So we can, we can teach him how to be productive and you can't teach somebody to be faster. You can't teach somebody to jump higher. And so um, I think you're right. I think that it, that is incredibly important. Uh, Shovit, to, to piggyback on you talking about Christian Watson, my biggest weakness for him was exactly that, the drops, but it wasn't necessarily just drops, but the type of drops. He was such a body catcher. He caught everything with his body and not his hands and i absolutely despise receivers like that i i I think it's like a i think it's like it's something where like you learn how to catch from an early age or you learn how to do something and then it becomes like muscle memory. And it's so hard from what I've seen to transition somebody who's typically used to all body catches to start using their hands. And that's when I think even more drops will come. So I think that was the biggest gripe with him because again, his intangibles were insane Four three six and a 39 inch vertical for somebody. I mean, that, that that's, again, that jumps off the page as somebody that has a ton of upside. But again, when you catch with your body, I, I just think that leaves too big a room for error so uh that was my slight with him but um Shoshoda, i'm with you on david bell i think he he would fit into a nice you know slot or a safety net role for a team with a young quarterback that just needs a guy who's reliable 
I'll jump over to my next guy here. Uh, I want to mention Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Oh, wow. Sky- I was, I had him just pulled up to talk about him too. Yeah. Go ahead. Dude, yeah. Th- this guy. So the thing with this guy is to me, this guy could jump into the NFL right now. You put him on any team and you place him in uh, the slot and he's immediately going to produce. Like, I think there is nothing that this guy can't do. It's just the fact that he doesn't do anything exceptionally well, that it doesn't jump off the page, right? So my biggest comparison with him was Tyler Lockett. And I know Tyler Lockett's a great receiver, but it's not like Tyler Lockett does everything every receiver can do, right? There are certain things that Tyler Lockett is really good at, and he's so incredibly reliable. That's that's the biggest thing with Sky Moore to me is reliability as well. Sky Moore is going to be able to get in and out of routes. Sky Moore is going to be able to find the open space in the zone defense. He's got amazing hands. I think my biggest uh, highlight for him was he can catch through contact. And, and that's really important when you're going over the middle, right? Is you're going to get hit a lot. And this guy, no, ma- no matter the size of, of what, or what is he at? 5'10", right? He's 5'10", 195, and he goes over the middle and he still can catch the ball through contact. So not only does he have good hands, but it doesn't matter if you're hitting him, he's still going to hold on to the football. But my biggest gripe with Sky Moore um, the biggest thing that I have is he doesn't look like a number one receiver. And I know that's a bad gripe to have because, you know, at the end of the day, reliability, we just talked about it. Reliability is important, but based on draft, people always draft based on where they see value in. And so I think this guy is destined to be really, really productive, but I think he's going to be a number two receiver at best. Yeah. So let me just talk about him real quick. Show it before you jump to your guy. Um, but yeah, I think I, I see a lot of promise. I see like, you know, um, I've seen comparisons to like Keyshawn Johnson, um, you know, big name that seems like there's a huge outlook for this guy, a very promising outlook. Uh, you know, even the prospect grade on NFL.com is giving him a probably going to be a starter eventually um, as far as the outlook goes. So that's, that's, that's saying a lot, you know, for a five ten guy who runs a lot of slot routes uh, that's, that's saying something. So some of the positives hands, hands are a plus hands are, you know, bar none hands along with body control is what makes a receiver unique. So that's like, now we're talking Antonio Brown, those kind of receivers, because they're not the biggest Antonio Brown is probably also five ten, right? Like he's not the tallest guy, but when you have hands and you're able to adjust your body to get the ball, no matter the cost, that is what you make a good receiver out of those two things. And not just that, but since he runs up the middle, uh, he, he's going to get a lot of yards after the catch, you know, um, looks like the things that are, he's not, um, totally polished is route running. But again, like you mentioned earlier, these things can be taught, right? You can't teach, you can't teach linear speed and you can't teach strength, but you can teach route running uh, to the to their best ability. So I think there's a lot of promise for a guy like this. There's a lot of usage for guys like this because nobody likes to run up the middle. You know, these, these diva receivers nowadays, it's just straight outside. Give me a screen pass. Give me this, give me that. But this is what he does. This is what he does. And he does it really well. And he's got a four, four, one speed. So, you know, this has to mean something in the NFL. Yeah, no, I'm just going to piggyback on Sky Mora based on what you guys are saying. He's got really good hands. And, uh, you know, last year on 125 targets, he only had four drops, uh, which is a pretty good statistic. Um, and reliability is, is key. And his QB rating of 116.2 throughout his college career when targeted. Like, so, I mean, that's that's a solid, uh, you know, re- if that if that's not a good reliability scale, I don't know. I don't know what is. The only only thing, only knock is, you know, he's playing at Western Michigan. Uh, again, this is the whole the competition thing. I mean, if you're trying to look for some weaknesses, his size and, and the lack of competition is the only thing I can really, um, you know, speak uh, into. But other than that, this guy's he, he's eight on my wide receiver list and um, he seems like a solid pick. 
uh, in the second round. Shova, give us one of your guys on your list. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, number nine is John Mechie the third from Alabama. Um, this guy, six foot. Uh, his strengths are he's got strong hands and he can make spectacular catches. And he's a great route runner as well. Um, so Alabama, you know, they play the SEC. So receivers that come from Alabama, I feel like they play the the best competition that is in college football. And this guy has shown as uh, wide receiver one that he can get the job done. Some of his weaknesses that I, I why he's maybe not as high as some of the other guys is because one thing he did not play, he did not participate in the NFL combine. So I wonder if that's, you know, his, I don't have his 40 number. He, so I'm he, like, he tore his ACL in December. Mm, okay. So there's that uncertainty due to injuries. Um, he, he's got a small build. So maybe he gets lost in the crowd it, when he's, um, you know, competing in the NFL le- uh, level. It may not be a true X, uh, you know, wide receiver one, but so, uh, certainly could be a good wide receiver two, wide receiver uh, three in, in the big stages. Yeah, I had a, I had a comp of Randall Cobb. Like, I think John Mechie's got really twitchy routes, which, like, Randall Cobb, I'm, I'm always really curious how Randall Cobb gets open because he's not the fastest guy. And a lot of times it's like, is Aaron Rodgers making him look good? But there's a reason across the middle he does a really good job of getting open, and it's because his routes are so twitchy, right? Like, he keeps the cornerback honest because he doesn't have the great greatest of speeds. So you think John Mechie, for a guy who's only six foot, should have, like, some really, really good speed numbers. But uh, even on even on, on, the, on film, it didn't seem like he he was as fast as his stature should dictate for him to be, but he was still able to get open. So I think that was my biggest thing for him, for me is, is not necessarily the route running exactly that, but how twitchy his route running is. So it's his ability to kind of deceive the cornerbacks into what he's doing. And that's how he's getting open. So uh, I had him, I think number nine on my list. So uh, again, there's a lot of promise, like you mentioned, Chauvin, anybody that comes out of Alabama and has success is going up against probably the best level of competition in college. So there's always something to be said for their trans, their translation into the pros. Shashow, you got one? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about some bigger guys. Let's talk about, uh, D-Rudge won't stop talking about him. So I'm pretty sure he's going to want me to talk about this guy. Um, so George Pickens from Georgia, um, six foot three, he's a junior, 195 pounds. That's, you know, that's what you want. If, if somebody were to be like, give me an ideal size for a receiver, I'd be like six, three, 195. That way they can fly down the field. They can jump over guys. They can block, you know, this size is very, you know, in a world where we have a bunch of little guys, like five, 10, five, 11 guys, having a six, three receiver, that's actually good changes everything, right? Changes everything. Cause the best cornerback on the other team is probably six foot or six, one at the best. So immediately having a size advantage and playing for a powerhouse like Georgia, uh, it means something like these are, these are the intangibles that are just given to you because of where you get selected. Um, so, you know, playing for Georgia, succeeding in Georgia. Um, so basically his best season came, um, as a true freshman when he had 49 receptions for 727 yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, this was back in 2019. So he missed most of the last season with a torn ACL, but being this lanky receiver and having these natural hands and having excellent body control, I wouldn't shy away from drafting somebody like this only just because he tore his ACL. Um, we've talked about it in the past, as far as, um, you know, what it means to be like truly injured. Like if you tear uh, Achilles, you're not going to be that great anymore. Unfortunately, that's just the, the nature of the beast. There will be some players that can do that, but you know, it's a numbers game and most people that tear their ACLs or have, you know, significant injuries to their body parts are not never going to be the same. However, the ACL is not one of those things. Uh, depends on the mechanism of injury. But, you know, when you tear ACL, you can quickly rehab back because no joint, there's no joint damage. It's just 
torn on one end, you just reattach it or you use a different piece to uh, replicate what that uh, ligament did. So it's pretty, it's a fixable injury. It's nothing to worry about. I think that even gave him more longevity because he didn't get banged up because he sat out uh, most of last year. So, you know, this is one of those really rare finds. Um, I, I would consider him like a gold mine, you know, a needle in the haystack kind of a situation where any team that's going to get him is going to get production immediately. Um, there's a high chance this guy could be, you know, not just a starter, but a really, really good player. Damn, Deeraj must have told you a lot of good things about him because I have very, very opposite opposing oh, feelings really? about George okay. Pickens. So tell me, this tell is, me. This is really interesting. George Pickens, right? 6'3, 195. I have him listed as 200, whatever, similar stature. You're right. That is the ideal build. For somebody who's 6'3, though, he ran a 4'47. So, like, yeah, 4'4 speed's pretty good, but he's hit, he's teeter tottering closer to 4'5, right? And then you think of somebody who's 6'3, you think they should have, you know, ideal jumping capabilities. And he only had a 33 inch vertical, right? So he, he seems like somebody who's in an ideally athletic, like the perfect build, but he doesn't quite mm-hmm. have those, tan- those intangibles. Now, what I will say, the biggest thing that I liked about George Pickens was his catch radius at 6'3", no matter where you were putting the football within the vicinity, he had a really, really good capability and way to go up and get that football. But the problem with that is a lot of what they ran in Georgia, they were letting George Pickens kind of uh, run freely from, from the get-go, right? So there wasn't a ton of press coverage. And being 6'3 at 195, he's a little bit more slender than um, some of these yeah. other guys who are pushing 200. So he really, really struggled when he was in press coverage. So it was like, it was like the physicality of it was something that he was not uh, prone to it. And for somebody his size, you expect physicality to kind of come with that, but it almost seems like he shies away from that contact. So that that's just kind of what I read, but you're absolutely right. I think Pickens has one of the biggest boom bust potentials in this draft where if he is hit and he is playing to his potential, then yeah, this is a guy who's, you know, number, not even top 10 on my list and probably top seven to 10 on, on most lists, but he could play like he's a top three receiver. So um, I do think that catch radius is special because when you have a guy that you can just throw up and throw the football up somewhere in his vicinity, and he has a pretty good idea of how to high point the football and get there. There's something to be said for that. Cause like you said, show Eagles, a lot of receiver teams would kill to have a receiver like that. Um, so like you said, from a value perspective, if he goes in like the early third uh, or maybe late second, I don't hate it. Uh, but I think that the, 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 I think it, the deception of what he looks like versus how he should actually play is what I was like, my idea of what George Pickens should have translated on the football field and like how his intangibles should have measured out weren't quite there. And I think that's what I saw was lacking. Yeah. He's number seven on my list. And uh, you know, his, his high impressive arm, uh, you know, being able to catch the ball um, and being the red zone target and at 6'3", I actually have him comparisons of Calvin Johnston, uh, Calvin Johnston uh, potentially. <laughs> Johnston yeah, or Johnson? Well, it's Calvin Johnston skills. It's like the, the uh, you know, the verb of being like Calvin Johnson. Oh, Johnston. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Johnsonton, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Something like that. Regardless, <laughs> he could be really special. I think that his size that may be small, but once he gets in the NFL, I mean, they're going to hit the weights and they're, they're, this is his going to be his number one job. So he's got all the other intangibles as far as height, the wingspan that you mentioned. And if he is able to um, you know, have a bigger body, really be not afraid of contact and, and uh, play, he can be a great wide receiver one. So I think that he would be, like you said, a great value pick in the later rounds i'm thinking closer to like a mike evans if he reaches his prime i think i think he could potentially do something like that but damn dude calvin johnson with a t Woo! 
Cal, so it might not be the Calvin Johnson that we're thinking of. This must be somebody that's coming up in like in two or it's three years be. that Chauvet's seen the future it's it's be. or something. Calvin Johnston, Johnson's son, Calvin Johnston. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I he he ha, I had him labeled as biggest boomer bust potential in, in my draft board. So I mean, again, I, I think the value is there to take a risk on this guy because of all the things we've already mentioned. But I'm also absolutely not shocked if he just ends up not being very good. Um, yeah, my, my my comparison for George Pickens was was Josh Reynolds. He's got like that. He's got like that lengthy size, and like you think he should be better than he kind of is, but he just kind of he just kind of gets by. Like he's he's there, like he's available when necessary, but he's not like the flashy number one guy that you expect him to be based on his stature. Um, let me jump over to uh, one guy I want to talk about real quick, and then we'll get into the top five guys. Jahan Dodson out of Penn State. I have him number seven. This guy is really, really impressive to me. This guy reminds me of Deontay Johnson from his route running capabilities, but I put Deontay Johnson with hands. So I think that he doesn't lack like he, he doesn't drop the football like Deontay Johnson has notoriously done and, and that he's gotten better at, but I know that was the biggest gripe on him, but John Dodson coming out of Penn state is literally Deontay Johnson with hands. I think his footwork, he's, he utilizes the middle of the field. So goddamn well, the middle of the field stuff almost reminds me of a uh, Chris Godwin in a way. So I just think he's very, very fluid with how he operates in the middle of the field. He's got great hands. Um, and again, my biggest only, my only gripe with John Dodson is that He's not like that top end speed isn't as great as it possibly could be. I mean, he ran what four, four, three, uh, and he had a 36 inch vertical. So like really good numbers, but not great numbers. And again, because of that, you know, the biggest thing with Chris Godwin is I think every NFL team would love to have Chris Godwin, but I don't think there's a single NFL team that thinks Chris Godwin is a number one receiver. Uh, and, and I think that that's where Chris Godwin thrives, right? He thrives having the Mike Evans type X receiver, and then he gets all the under underneath in the middle routes. I think Jahan Dodson is built to be a middle of the field guy. And I think he's going to be really, really good at that. Yeah. yeah. So just uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's, that's great. I, he's De- Deontay Johnson with, with hands back two years ago. Uh, <laughs> so I actually, you, you guys are going to love this. I've got a comparison here of uh, Tyreek Hill for this guy because he's, he's got quick acceleration, plays fast. He's explode, explosive. He's got a very good route. He's a very good route runner. And he's fluid in his mo- uh, movements. So uh, last year he had uh, 11 20-plus yard uh, touchdown catches. Um, so And he only had two drops from 138 targets with a QB rating of 109.6. His only weakness, I think, is the fact that he is a he does have a smaller build. But if guys like Tyreek Hill, guys like Deontay Johnson, guys like Antonio Brown could be successful having a smaller build, why can't this guy? Yeah, I mean, true, true. Um, I don't I don't think his build is any any special though, right? He's 5'11, 178. Um, but yeah, I mean, anyways, uh, you never know. You're right. You never know who could thrive. The reason I am afraid of this guy is because there is, you know, I'm I'm losing sleep, not really, but figuratively, that he may go to the Green Bay Packers. And if he goes to the Green Bay Packers, it's going to be a nightmare. The Packers have talked about, uh, you know, all over their social media, their Twitter, they're going after a receiver. It's happening. It's happening. It might be and- both. They might, they might draft two receivers yeah. with those two picks, man. That's terrifying. They might. They might, and I have a pretty strong feeling Dotson's going to be a Packer here this, in this upcoming draft, um, just because he fits everything. He fits everything you need in a young receiver just to, like, you know, get things started. He's got the swagger. First of all, I don't know if that's going to be a problem. I know a lot of people don't like receivers because they're divas and whatnot, but there's a reason they're divas, because they can do something nobody else can. Um, and, you know, th- that, that's something – that's a persona you build when you're talk- when you're face-to-face with a cornerback – 
you got to let that cornerback know he's not going to beat you. Right. So it's like, it's a whole attitude that comes with it. And this guy's got it. This guy's got it, whether it's going to be his demise or whether it's going to, you know, amplify him to be one of the next OBJs or whatnot. But one quote um, that he said last year or two years ago sticks to me. So after that one-handed catch against Ohio state uh, in 2020, it was like an insane catch. Um, in the interview afterwards, um, you know, they asked him, like, tell me more about this catch. And he was like, I approached that ball as if the ball is a million dollars. It's a million dollars in the air. If you want it, you go get it. And I'm like, okay, so if that's your attitude with every ball that's thrown at you, you're going to succeed, young man. You're going to succeed. So, you know, I, I, I like to piggyback off of those players and support for those guys because they have something other players don't, and that's confidence. And um, having the skill set, having the size, having the um, – you know, just the, the winning mentality, um, all these things are the baseline you need to be a rookie wide receiver. And if you're going to go to the Packers and game over, he's going to be a fantasy stud if, he, if that ends up happening. Yeah, I think my my biggest gripe with him from comparing him to somebody like Tyree Kilshovit is he's small. He's five. He's what, 5'11", 184 is what I have him listed at. He only ran a 4'4'3", and we know Tyree Kill is like the fastest guy on the planet. And for a guy who's small, his three-cone drill was 7'2'8", which is the same as like Traylon Burks, who's 6'3", 225. So like he doesn't have that short intermediate burst quickness that like he has it in college, but I don't think Tyree Kill is another specimen. These comparisons with Calvin Johnson and Tyree Kill, man, you're drinking a lot of these receiver cool <laughs> Holy shit. Like, we're going to have the greatest receiving class of all time. Like, get this right. So, uh, uh, but no, again, I, it's, it's optimistic thinking, right? I mean, I hate when I do these comparisons, I hate looking at a guy and being like, yeah, that guy reminds me of Josh Reynolds. Like, I hated typing Josh Reynolds. So I'm like, okay, I've already destined that guy's career for like, that's the best he's going to be. <laughs> pretty shitty to think about so i i hey, like reynolds see, reynolds career is not over by the yeah way. reynolds season could be this year man who the fuck knows but um i just thought that was funny but let's jump into the top five let's jump into some of the important guys when do you guys start us off with somebody you want to talk about sure i'll, I'll take care of jameson williams uh yes I, I mean these alabama receivers man like everything from julio jones to cooper just all these guys uh jerry judy even like these guys they come out just firing like the the all the eyes are on them you know these alabama receivers they they come they either prove it or they don't and it's an immediate decision we don't let these you know uh we don't we don't let we don't let alabama receivers come and just dwiddle around the league and just do this do that they they have a big tag on them we we want to see them do great or at least the expectations are to be great and jameson williams again the size is there the height is there he's a little a little on the scrawnier side but that'll come that'll come with the workouts you know he only caught 15 passes in 10 games over the last two seasons at ohio state um he did have a breakout season in 2021 um after transferring to alabama so you know that makes me wonder is this just an alabama thing like once out people go to alabama they become they reach their potential and be elite I think there's some truth to that. That's why a lot of people want to transfer and go to Alabama. Um, but anyways, he's not just a deep threat. That's another thing that I wanted to uh, focus on. He's 6'2", 179, but he's not just a deep threat. He's got a huge track background, and it clearly shows up on the field. He's got some crazy game-breaking uh, game speed. He also tore his ACL during January's college football playoff final, but he's apparently ahead of the schedule like everybody is nowadays because they got all these crazy uh, – PRP injections and like, you know, they can take blood from like a really, you know, like from the, from a placenta and that has like a really young stem cells. So it helps like recover quickly. There's a lot of research about this kind of stuff now. So he's very much ahead of his schedule. And I think again, you know, 
reasons like that are why receivers fall in the draft because you don't know how long they're going to last in the league and everything. But I don't think that's anything we need to worry about. I don't, I don't think injuries of this kind, ACL injuries, should not be a reason you don't grab a player earlier than expected. Um, but anyways, he's got some talent to emerge as a wide receiver one, definitely. That's why we have him in our top three. I think all of us probably have him in our top three. Um, but yeah, so, you know, this isn't something to mess around. This is something that's rare. This is something that's uh, going to change the game as far as game-breaking speed goes, and he's got the hands to do it. So, uh, you know, it's an it's a, it's a easy decision. If he's available, you get him. This is another guy I worry he's going to drop to the Packers because of that ACL injury, and then he's yeah. just going to take the top off of defense for like 10 <laughs> years. Um, he's he, he's got speed. Speed is the name of his game. I mean, and it's not it's not just like normal speed. This year it was kind of crazy for 40-yard dashes. I mean, you had Christian yeah. Dotson running like a 4-3-6. You had Olave and Wilson both running sub 4 four forty. So this guy mm-hmm. didn't run because of that ACL tear, but this guy would have been like four – in this year's draft, he probably would have been like 4-3 flat or like four, sub 4-3. Four, so this guy's got next level like Will Fuller, Deshaun Jackson speed. Those are my comps for him because coming in, like you mentioned, he's got a little bit of height, but he's slender. He's slender. He's coming off an ACL tear, which I know in this day and age is not a scary injury, but my, when I watched Jameson Williams, when I watched some of his tape, what I noticed is a lot of his production was because he was so much fucking faster than everybody. Right. So what that meant is he did not absorb a tremendous amount of contact because he pretty much never had to, um, now he's got the type of speed that I that he could possibly never have to in the NFL as well. But at some point, if you're limiting your over the middleness because of just your speed, you literally become a Will Fuller, right? You literally become a Will Fuller where all you do is run go routes or even Deshaun Jackson. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, yeah, maybe sometimes over the middle, but everything Deshaun Jackson caught, he was either like running straight to the sideline yeah. or like running deep, right? And so a limiting contact is possible. I just fear that if he gets hit really, really hard, he's kind of fucked. And so, yes, he's young. So I know you get into the pros, you hit the weight room and you can totally build that. This speed is not something to be messed around with. This is kind of, again, my thought process. Like you take a flyer on a guy that's running this type of speed. The fear is that, again, the last Alabama receiver with insane speed was Henry Ruggs. So, uh, you know, who knows, who knows how things can shake out. But if not for the ACL tear from the national championship, I would not have been surprised if this guy was the number one receiver on the draft. Yeah. And don't forget, he's, he's a triple or a dual threat. He returns kicks and he returned two of them for touchdowns last year. Yeah, I mean, this guy is uh, number two on my list. And uh, Shashel, your, your conversation about the ACL kind of gave me a little bit more, uh, a little bit more comfortable feeling and hope uh, the fact that he's number two, um, because that that was one of the weaknesses for for me in that uncertainty with the ACL tear. Uh, but it sounds like from a medical standpoint, that's something that's fixable. Um, but what this guy will do, you guys have already mentioned, is is the speed. Uh, this guy will burn the burn his cornerbacks, anyone that's guarding him. He did he burned his players on 75.6% of his targets. <laughs> Gee, that's crazy that they have a stat like that nowadays. It's called the burn rate. It's it's how that's often awesome. yeah. So how often you burn the defender that's guarding you. That's better than um, you know. All the guys that we will be talking about, Olave, Drake London, Traylon Burks, I mean, 74.6 is, is a high number. So, you know, you got to go out and grab them if you've got like the top 10 or top 15 pick, in my opinion. 
Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I agree. Speed kills. Speed kills. That's why I have a number three. Uh, let's jump over to Chris Olave, Ohio State receiver. Yeah, I have him number five. Chris Olave is the best route runner in this in this draft class, in my opinion. This guy, my com- comparison should show you ironically had already mentioned this name, Emmanuel Sanders. This guy is a carbon copy to me of Emmanuel Sanders. Great route running. He knows how to get open. Uh, his only weakness is a contested catch, which again, you think about Emmanuel Sanders, he's never getting like jump ball situation balls thrown to him. So that's not something that you'd be like, oh, Emmanuel Sanders is really good at. Yet he's still incredibly productive. He's jumped around from team to team and just been productive wherever he goes. That's why to me, Chris Olave has one of the biggest floors in this draft where I think he can go anywhere and be productive. Um, but what the, the thing, again, the thing is there's not any one thing that he does that like jumps out on tape to make me be like, wow, this is insane. You know, like I think he does everything so well that it almost flies under the radar. 43940, he's 6'1, 188, 188 pounds. His vertical is only 32 inches. So that's why I mentioned the contested catch. He's not going to be a guy that jumps up and gets the ball like that. But I think his fluidity as how exactly Emmanuel Sanders has the ability to get open and run Chris Browns and stuff, that's Chris Olave to me in a nutshell. Yeah, Chris Olave is number fourth on my pick, the guy from Ohio State University. The interesting fact about that is Ohio State has not had a, a receiver drafted in the first round since 2007 with uh, Ted Ginn Jr., and now they might have two guys drafted in the first round, so that's kind of impressive. Um, but, yeah, the, the my notes for him as far as his strengths are that he's got reliable hands, he's got good football intelligence and awareness, and he tracks the deep ball over e- either shoulder and brings in passes with fluidity without breaking the stride. Uh and he's got a quick first step. So all great things, I think, from a potentially a slot receiver with his build, because he's a smaller guy, uh, six foot one, 189 pounds. So he may lack the physicality to win outside. Um, but as like a slot receiver, guys like Godwin, um, you know, or you know, your notable slot receivers, I think he would excel in that role. Yeah, I agree. This this man's a walking highlight reel. Like any any attempts, um, you know, like like you mentioned it doesn't stand out as far as like um, as far as like consistency. I don't think I would be like, you know, I'm not going to throw every single ball to him. You know what I mean? But there are points in the game where he could totally just change everything. That four, three, nine speed is, is no joke. Anytime you're under four, four, these dudes are really fast. And when, when you're playing for a you know college like Ohio state and you're their number one receiver, that's a lot of pressure and that's a lot of, uh, you know, you got to overcome a lot to get that role in the first place. You got to beat out all these high school kids all over America to get that role. And um, he did that. He did that really well. Um, he, even as a true freshman, you know, he had crazy numbers. Um, he had good, good numbers. And then just one year after that, he just made his crazy leap. So, you know, uh, some of the NFL player comparisons I've seen online um, is Terry McLaurin. Uh, I know sweetheart, you mentioned he doesn't really go up uh, and get the ball. Um, but I, actually, I don't think that's what you said. I think you said his um, jumping ability wasn't as high. But with the limited amount that he can do, it's not really limited in that sense, but it is it is less than what you would expect a true number one to have. Um, but with that amount that he can get up in the air, he does a pretty damn good job. This this man goes after the ball like there's no tomorrow. His ball skills are, you know, just well-timed with these sudden hand grasps. And that's very underrated because that, that's the way I like to play. You know, when I'm obviously I'm comparing myself to me playing in the backyard, but you know, it's those, it's those moments that let the cornerback know that the ball is nowhere near me, 
but instead, you know, like you're just running and all of a sudden you go up and grab the ball. These sudden hand grasps are so important in the, in the big leagues because the cornerback is just as good as many wide receivers as far as tracking the ball. So he does that really well. And he also does a really good job using his speed to scramble with his quarterback. So, you know, if he fits into another Jalen Hurts situation or uh, Justin Fields situation, even Aaron Rodgers situation, they're going to thrive because this guy will, he, he does a good job of keeping his quarterback alive for as long as he can, instead of just giving up on the play or just, you know, being like, Hey, I finished my route. This is it. But like, you know, he would, he would fit in well with these quarterbacks. I like to make that second adjustment, like a Russell Wilson or a Patrick Mahomes. So he's, he's a very wide uh, quarterback friendly wide receiver that has elite speed and that is willing to put his body on the line to just make plays happen. So, you know, that's, that's a rarity. Not everybody has even one of those things and not everybody has all of those three things. So um, he's, he's, he's a gem out there for sure. And any team would be, you know, extremely lucky to just get them and he, he'd be a quick starter in the next two years, probably. Yeah. Somebody want to jump over and talk about Traylon Burks? Yeah, sure. I can I can uh, talk about Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks, uh, six foot three. Uh, he's a he's he's a fast guy. He's clocked in at twenty two point six miles per hour in uh, in week three of this game. Uh, he's a pretty big guy in terms of what he can do. He benches three hundred eighty pounds, squats five hundred pounds, and power cleans at three twenty. So this is a kind of a guy that like I think he would be really effective as a blocker. I know we don't talk about that from a wide receiver position, but that's an important uh, important role too. And I think that his big frame could create mis- mismatches. Um, with, with his, you know, long arms. And, and, uh, and so going for that jump ball, I think having a big frame definitely helps him out. I have him compared to AJ Brown due to the size, athleticism and, and uh, ball control. He was used all over the field, kind of like Debo Samuel was in San Francisco. So, Hey, this guy could be one of those, um, you know, Swiss army knife kind of uh, receivers as well. Some of his weaknesses, I think come from the combine, I did mention that he, you know, clocked in at 22.6 miles per hour, but I have him, uh, his 40 speed on the combine at 4.55 when they were expecting a 4.44. So I think that may be a knock on that speed, but I think that his big frame being 6.3 will make up for um, any of those combine inconsistencies. Yeah, I think so. My, my thing with Traylon Burks is you're right, 6'3", not just 6'3", this guy's 225, right? So yeah, A.J. Brown is a good comparison because build-wise, this guy's A.J. Brown, right? He's he's built different. Um, he, he's like the he's like the D.K. Metcalf picture pre-draft, except he's not quite D.K. Metcalf. But uh, my comparison for him was Des Bryant. I, I see a lot of Des Bryant in him. Ironically enough, Shovit, one of his weaknesses are he's not as great of a run blocker as you'd expect him to be per his frame. But I think run blocking is something you can teach, you can get better at. Um, but I think the biggest thing with Traylon Burks is he's got huge hands. And that's why that's why like guys that have really, really big hands, even if their hands aren't as consistent as they could be, like at some point, like you learn how to use your, you know, big hands to be able to catch the football. Traylon Burks, one of his knocks was on his deep catches, like it, like over the shoulder and stuff. He's not using his hands, but he's letting it get to his chest and his pads. And so I think if somebody can coach him up on, on you know, using those hands that are so big that he's going to have a really hard time dropping the football on, he's going to be really, really good at those high pointed contested catches, like exactly a la Des Bryant type. And I think, I think he has the ability to get better as a blocker because he's 225. He's going to be a lot bigger than those corners, uh, those safeties and, and on par with a lot of linebackers. 
linebackers to where he can uh, possibly make an impact at that at that level. But he, I got him number four on my list because again, I have a really really big hesitancy with bigger slower receivers um, because I, I don't know if it's the Laquan Treadwell PTSD where the guy wasn't fast but he was big and go up and get the ball and he just really really bad. Um, but I think Traylon Burks has a lot more physicality and upside and, and natural kind of intangible athleticism that's going to make up for his lack of speed. Yeah, and another reason why he's so good is because he was an all-state outfielder. Um, so he knows how to track balls. He knows how to snag deep balls. So, um, you know, for that reason, I think that Des Bryant comparison is really good because he's been laying out not only to catch baseballs, but to catch footballs as well. He's, he does not care about his body. So that's somebody I want on my team that will go get the ball no matter what. And um, I think these things will definitely make up for his lack of speed because he's got the build to block really, really well. Um, so again, that will come with, you know, time. None of these players are NFL players. You know, they're still college players we're talking about. So everybody's either going to improve, stay the same or get worse. And I think there's a lot of potential for somebody with this much size um, that has, you know, that's a multi-sport athlete. Um, there's always light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to multi-sport athletes, because, you know, they do, they're just innate athletes and they can just play with any sport. So I think he's going to do pretty good in this league. I agree. Let's let's jump over to Drake London. Drake London, I have him as number two on my board. Real quickly, from my perspective, Drake London to me is a hybrid Mike Evans, Mike Thomas kind of build. He's got some of the best going up and getting the football skills yeah. I've probably ever seen. I mean, like that's literally all he does. Um, and he does it really fucking well. Um, I think my biggest thing for him is his weakness is going to be his speed. He was hurt, so he didn't, he didn't, uh, uh he wasn't there at the combine. He had a pro day, but he didn't run. But the reason I like the Mike Evans comparison is. Mike Evans does a really good job of getting open by positioning his body, right? Like he does a really good job sometimes of like being smart and knowing when to push off, how to use that arm, how to use that offhand towards not offensive pass interference. Drake London does that, but he does it better. So that's why I like the route running skill set of Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas was very fucking slow, but he's really, really good at running that inside slant and always getting open. How is he really good at getting open on that inside slant when he's so slow, when a lot of times DBs knew that he was going to do that? He's really, really good at positioning his body to certain way to where Drew Brees was able to find him. And I think Drake London does a really, really good job of positioning his body to get open. His speed does not necessarily um, make him less of a... Um, I don't know, a prospect, in my opinion, typically I hate guys, like I mentioned, the whole Traylon Burks thing, and Drake London's probably going to be slightly slower than Traylon Burks, maybe similar speed, but I think Drake London's ability to go up and get the football is second to none in this draft, or, you know, to be honest, I, I think he could go up in the NFL and be just as good as a lot of the guys in the NFL at jumping up and getting the football, so if anything, this guy's going to serve that purpose, but I think because of the route running and his ability to get open even despite his speed, he's got so much more upside, and that's why I have him number two. Yeah, so I've got him actually at number five, and the things, his weaknesses are the reasons why I have him number five because of his speed, um, and he also did not participate in, in the combine, um, but I think that this is a guy that he's got a very big boomer bust uh, potential. Um, if he's, because he's got that big body, um, he can, if if he goes into a scheme where the quarterback and he builds a relationship with the quarterback and is able to get the timing right, uh, a guy like Aaron Rodgers and um, is able to figure you know, not even with the smaller, uh, you know, slower speed, use the quarterback's ability to, to pinpoint at, at the right place. I mean, I think this guy would be a perfect fit for that kind of scheme, um, but it's going to take him a long time. I think a while to get there. I don't think this is like a guy um, in the first season of the NFL that will be, um, successful. I think it's going to be like a, a pro, uh, you know, something that we'll have to work on 
throughout his career to kind of get the timing right with his quarterback to become successful. Um, but, you know, all the intangibles as far as being 6'5", big body, those are all there. His speed is the only thing that's lacking. I'll make it quick. Um, I would have made Drake London a unanimous number one if it wasn't for the ankle fracture. And that was just last October or September yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. This isn't an ACL we're talking about anymore. These are broken bones in the feet that you used to plant to create that force on the ground, right? So, like, he's totally ready. I, I think, you know, I, it's like exact opposite of what Shovit just said, but, you know, who knows what the right answer is. There is no right answer. But I think, um, you know, being 6'4", 219, again, I keep going after these really, really tall dudes. And it's because he's also a dual-sport athlete. He played basketball, and he played it well. So, you know, whenever you take these – basketball guys put him on the football field it's almost unfair at that point no wonder sweetheart when you watch these highlights he's always going up and getting things because that's yep. what he does the so machine. you know exactly and he's, he's really good at it so i think he's, he's pretty much ready i think the reason why i don't put him number one and i think i, I should have probably made him unanimously two in my book and not one a one b um kind of went overboard there but um yeah the, the ankle injury is what separates him from garrett wilson if it wasn't for the ankle injury then i think the speed would have came and i think he would have performed in the combine but because of that, Garrett Wilson takes the crown in my list. Yeah, but that's a perfect segue. So why don't why don't you why don't you hit us take us home with Garrett Wilson and we'll chime in. Dude, what what do you? I'm gonna be talking for hours if I talk about Garrett Wilson. Um, but anyways, you know, first of all, you need a good school that you came from to solidify why you're even important in the first place, right? Uh, Ohio State always always a I don't want to say classy school because they suck, but um, uh, <laughs> in that aspect. But um, yeah, you know. Anybody coming from Ohio State, you want to keep an eye out for. And you have somebody like Garrett Wilson. You know, he's not the biggest um, and he's not, you know, uh, the strongest, but he is he could be the fastest on the field at any given time. Um, so he's got great body control. You know, it's like a little it's, it's a little um, I, don't, I don't know what the comparison would be. What, what would you guys say would be the comparison for him in the NFL? So my comparison I have is because my strength for the, the thing with Garrett Wilson is like. He, he's got the foot four, three, eight speed. He's got yeah. a 36 inch vertical, but he's got like a very, very smooth smoothness and fluidity to yes. the way he plays the position that it reminds me. It reminds me of Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin was not like the greatest route runner, but like the way he ran yeah. was so fucking was, like smooth. He was and like, grounded. He, he was yes. grounded. Like yes. he ran, he, they run like a car, you know, like when yeah. you turn a car, there's no like glitch. It's like, it's coming with power and it's coming fast. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that's the biggest thing for him is that his weakness to me is the fact that he's not an insanely crisp route runner, but that's how scary it is that this guy's number one on my list, on your list, maybe your list and unanimous because despite the crispness in his route running lacking the smoothness in which he glides and like how, like you mentioned, he's grounded makes up for that. And he's just constantly fucking open. He's always open. He's got great hands. He's got great separation. There's really nothing this guy can't do. He's to me, the speed of Brandon cooks, but the fluidity of Percy Harvin around the field. So I think that makes a pretty goddamn scary receiver. Yeah, it's everything. It's not even just that much. Like he's a punt returner. He's an experienced punt returner. You get that aspect of it. Yep. He he brings in really really difficult jump balls and 50-50s. They're usually going to go to him, you know? And 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 the best part, best part about having a getting a receiver is these rare quick accelerating receivers. And now I think this would be a good segue to um, compare him to like a Tyree Kill type of speed because we're talking instant acceleration we're talking things that nobody else can do and i think you know even if he wasn't the best at catching the ball even if he wasn't the fastest 
having that instant acceleration factor changes everything. And when he has that, along with the speed, along with this crazy athleticism going up and getting balls, separating well, running route well, it makes it pretty clear why he is the unanimous number one in this draft. Yeah, he's number one in my books as well. And the comparison I have is an older guy, Marvin Harrison, uh, someone that maybe doesn't Jesus. possess like that. This is going to be uh, a Hall of Fame clash of it. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> the potential, the, ce- yeah. the ceiling is, is high. Uh, so no, the potential, he's, he's 4 to 3 eight, uh, good hands and runs really good routes. I think that he doesn't have that uh, typical frame, you know, as like a 6-3 guy, some of the other guys we talked about. But I mean, he's this is a guy with a someone that can make an impact day one. I think no one else can, can, you can say that about any other receiver than Garrett Wilson and the draft. So I think he's, he's unanimous. Number one. I do like the comparison to Marvin Harrison from the sense that Marvin Harrison, even on the field was kind of similar, right? Like it never felt like he was the absolute fastest guy, but this guy just had like a fluidity about him that he was able to get open pretty much any, any given time that he wanted to, he was able to get open, but it wasn't like he was Tyree killing you in speed. It wasn't like he was Randy Mossing you with like catches over, but he literally just got open. And that's literally what Garrett Wilson does is he just gets open. And when he gets open, he's just smooth, man. It's something that you cannot teach the way he breaks in and out. Like all of that stuff is, is intangibles or, or maybe not intangibles, but something he's practiced his whole life, but he just does it better. And there's something to be said when you watch the tape that it just looks better than other people. And that's what it is. Is Garrett Wilson just, does things and makes it look better than other people do that's it anybody else you guys want to highlight or that we mentioned any dark horses sleepers somebody that nobody's mentioned that you're like you know keep an eye out on this guy no i was just i wanted to highlight bell and i got the ability to do that so i think i'm good as far as highlighting um some rarities yeah alec pierce was my biggest sleeper i just think i think he's got some some of the build and stature that is worth taking a risk on. Uh, I, another guy real quick, Wondell Robinson, the dude's like five foot 11, 185 pounds, but he's the small shifty kind of Rondell Moore type receiver that I think uh, has a, has a spot in, in the NFL and he's going like fourth, fifth round right now. So that's another guy that I think keep your eyes on. Uh, but that's all I have. Shoshova, you got anybody else? No, I think we covered all of them. George Pickens was a guy that I was going to highlight, but we talked about him already. Mr. Calvin Johnston is, Dude, I, I have the most opposite thoughts of George Pickens than both of you guys, so I'm so interested to see how this guy pans out. Um, but that's all the receivers we have to talk about. Certainly appreciate your time. Draft day is 10 days away. I don't know if we'll have another episode with any other positions or if we'll just have our episode with our actual mock draft right before draft day. So uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We're the only playbook. See ya when we see ya.